Off day for the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday. Back to work today. Getting ready for, what do we say, Justin? Four out of, uh, five out of six. No, wait a second. Three at home mm-hmm. and one on the road. So four out of six. Is that, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. I think it's four games and six nights. That's my oh, whole point. Oh, a lot of hockey. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes. Stay with the program, bud. Stay, Sorry, stay with me. Stay I was, with I was da- you know what? I'll be honest. I was distracted because I was looking at the Coachella Valley Firebirds new new gear. That is Seattle's AHL team has been announced in, Let me pal- see. in Palm uh, Palm Desert. Anyways. You happy with it? I am. I just think it's cool that you Palm Desert. I'll go play in the minors in Coachella Valley. Let's do it. It's like uh, Washington, Washington Capitals. Nationals. Or Capitals, yeah. Nice stuff. I think it's just great to put an AHL team there. Why not? Nice warm. All right, let's get uh, Jim Ralph's opinion. No, I'm so sick not. of talking. About, I'm so sick of talking about the AHL. <laughs> <laughs> Scored my only professional hat trick against Jimmy Ralph. Yeah, I can't believe I'd be in for all three. <laughs> I, I usually Kip if you got one the guy was out <laughs> two the auto pull. two two means the backup goalie is still <laughs> drunk <laughs> or, or or is, is starting <laughs> a flask under the bench owned how are you you must be exhausted from that big road trip on Saturday. Did you go or are you calling from the monitor? No, we're off the monitor still. Oh, still, uh, eh? Yeah, but I'll be honest, it, it did feel like Buffalo, though. Oh. <laughs> now, a little Olympia, the old, little Olympia room there they've, uh, they've got set up. It was a lot like Buffalo. I was a little yeah. late to watching the game, but I could not believe how empty that building was. And that's usually not the case with Toronto fans coming down, but what the border and, and all of that must have come in play, I guess. Well, yeah, I think 8,000 people is, is what they've announced, which is about Buffalo season average. But, um, you know, Joe and I were talking, I guess, you know, you have to start paying for the COVID tests and um, and everything else. All of a sudden, it's not a, you know, a, a financially friendly getaway anymore. So it's probably the hassle of, of doing it as much as anything else. But, yeah, it, it, it almost felt like, I mean, there's been preseason games where there have been more fans there uh, when the Leafs have played in Buffalo. So it was it, it was very bizarre. It almost felt like like an exhibition game. But, yeah, um, but yeah very strange. So what's your takeaway uh, from their, their two-game sweep, I guess? They beat Calgary. They beat Buffalo. They get four points. Um, we're kind of at the point where two, four, and one start is in the far in the rearview mirror. Has this team found its stride now? See, it's fine. I don't think so. Because, uh, you know, listening to, to Sheldon Keefe, if you take all his post-game uh, press conferences, uh, he's defended them in their losses. You know, the Carolina <laughs> game, he was happy with that. And they lost to the Rangers in overtime. Uh, he thought they had their chances even at L.A. He said, you know, we had some chances. They didn't go. We had a couple of breakdowns. And he's been much more critical about the wins, you know, save for, you know, maybe the game in Philadelphia. And um, so it's I, – I will say this. I mean, uh, we had to remind ourselves with the least playing Buffalo, Joe and I, Buffalo's missed the playoffs 10 straight years. And if we start criticizing the Leafs now who are, what, 8-1 and one in their last nine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody hit us over the head. Somebody hit us over the head with a shovel. I, 
I mean, I still believe with, uh, agree with Sheldon Keith, that there's, there's still more there. There's still another level. And, uh, uh, if there is, uh, it should be a hell of a season. But, uh, in the meantime, if, you know, you're trying to find your game and you've won eight out of nine, I think you got to be pretty happy. 10 out of 16, uh, two games that probably stand out out of, out of all of those was for the most part, the Boston Bruins. I know they did not come out and uh, close it out probably as well as they would have liked. And then Calgary, uh, where I would say that was probably Ralphie, the closest to maybe a, a playoff type of uh, be patient. Don't open it up. Uh, wait for your game breakers to kick it in. And, and certainly that that's what it felt like Friday night. Yeah, I'd, I'd throw the Tampa game in there too, Kipper. Okay. You know, I mean, I mean, they were lucky to get, uh, you know, lucky. They, they worked for it to get Tavares to score in the final minute and then the power play in overtime. But it was the same thing, even though, you know, uh, Jack Campbell had to bail them out on a couple of days in the third. Uh, but it was the same thing. They, they don't seem to stray too far for the most part, and not including Buffalo Saturday. Um, from what the game plan, there doesn't seem to be uh, a whole lot of panic in their game, which I think we did see in the first four or five games of the season. So I'll take that. And, you know, I, I like your point about like they're eight and one the last nine. If we're going to be picking them apart here, we're, we're maybe being a little rough. What? So going forward here, is there anything that makes you think that this team can be a different playoff team? Like, like change things that are permanent, not just a good regular season team, which we've seen them be in the past. Uh, I'd say it's the, as, as Kipper was just saying, like in the, the two, one games, uh, the belief and, and, you know, that's how Boston always had so much success that, you know, you could say with all due respect to David Krejci, uh, they were a one line team, but boy, everybody played with that same structure. And yeah, it was usually the big guys in the first line that were going to be the difference on the scoreboard. Uh, but how they were all solid as a unit, you know, the four lines and the six D, I, I think that's what you're looking at, where there's, you know, they're they're hard to play against. And uh, I think we've seen glimpses of it. But, uh, you know, as far as, as looking ahead to, to April, uh, I guess you'll say, well, they're only three points up in Detroit right now. <laughs> you know, we got, we got a long ways to go. This can't be the blue line that we're going to see in the first round. Uh, you expect something to change there. I know there's a few guys that have been mentioned in uh, – and some trade talk, but can, can you see that being a playoff blue line? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Kipper, you know, the you know they're not blessed with a, with a Char or a, a Headman uh, or even an Ekblad. Uh, you know, the the big guy that's going to log twenty five to thirty minutes and be physical and and you know add a little bit of offense here and there. So uh, I, I would say you. You know, they're, they're going to at least to improve some depth on the blue line. Um, and, and I don't know how much goes into it. Okay, what do you acquire now that could cost you Jack Campbell next year? Um, I think those would be interesting discussions to hear in the boardroom, um, you know, as, as to what they're going to do going forward. Uh, you know, at, at what expense do you, uh, do you bring somebody in and maybe have cap problems again for next year? Yeah, constant worry with this team. Uh, one person not giving them cap problems is the goaltender who played for them in Buffalo. Um, interesting to see Joseph Wool get the start. What did you make of his debut? And and I guess, do you think we'll see him again over Hutchinson if someone's got to go in the upcoming future? 
Yeah, I think you know what you've got to roll with him until he has a bad game, and um, you know maybe Hutchinson, who's played pretty well with the Marlies, uh, gets another opportunity. I think you know the difference between the two is they've probably got a pretty good beat on what Michael Hutchinson can bring, and uh, you know Wall's the unknown commodity that they've got to find out what they've got. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things. He got his first win. Uh, I, I don't think the Leafs are happy that they gave up four, especially the two quick ones in the third. But um, I'm, I was more amused watching uh, all the shots of his mother during the game in the crowd. And I, I don't know if you remember when Braden Holtby came in and played in the playoffs, his mother was the star of Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, you know, but they always cut to her. I think the, the mother of a goaltender probably has the nerves a little higher than any other position. Instant uh, stardom. Um, I was really surprised, Ralphie, that uh, Hutchison didn't get the start. Uh, you, you, you target this guy to be your third goalie uh, in the depth department. You're paying him, I don't know, three fifty, four hundred thousand dollars at least. Uh, you know, significantly more than than Wall. I just wonder what this would do to to a guy like Hutchinson, knowing that you're supposed to be number three and and now you're 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 not basically. Yeah, it was almost as if the um, you know the chance he got. Because remember, the, the game he played against San Jose at home uh, was the first of back-to-backs, which is not the norm when you're the backup goaltender. So I thought they they felt they were giving him a winnable game, and he didn't he didn't have a great night. And then they had the blowout in Pittsburgh the next night. So I think that was um, he, he was just on a short leash. You know, they figured that uh, you know Hutch goes in and gets the win against San Jose, and one guy coming back against Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, they they probably just thought that, you know, we saw some of that last year or, or some of that to remember. I remember he had the bad game in New York against the Rangers. Um, I guess that was, what, 2019 when they went and got Jan Campbell in the first place. So, it, um, but to me, they've, they've probably seen enough of them kept that um, they realize he, he gives them depth, but... Um, not knowing what the extent of the injury is to Peter Morazic or, or how long he's going to be out or how often he's going to be hurt. Uh, it probably doesn't hurt to have other guys at least get a taste uh, should you need them. Ralphie, we opened the show playing some clips of Sheldon talking about uh, Willie Nylander and he's you know, just talking about how, yes, he's produced, but you know we want more from him in other areas of the ice. This seems like a constant theme with Willie, right? It's he's awesome for a bit, then he le- legs for a bit, and the coach gives him a whipping and back we go again. I was asked by someone earlier today, why is it when Willie looks bad that he looks so bad? And I kind of was at a loss for words. you have any suggestions why his down games just seem worse than other players for some reason? You know, I I think it's in, and Kip, you might be able to, you know, I guess, agree or disagree with this. Uh, There were times with, with Mario Lemieux that you would say the same thing because uh, you know, the way they play, uh, if if they're not going well, it looks like the, the effort's not there. And and I think uh, that's the one thing a player doesn't want to be criticized for effort or, or character for that matter. So I think that's what it is. You know, you, you see him so engaged when he's on and that's moving his feet, feet on the forecheck, uh, getting back. And, and when he's off a little bit, he seems to be cruising. And uh, I think that's why it's noticeable. It's, it's, it's more the contrast, you know, between uh, uh, Willie being on and, and Willie being a little bit off. Uh, I mean, it'd be great to see him have Bryce Seidel McDavid numbers every night, but 
Um, I, I think what he does is he shows you these flashes of brilliance and extra effort. And then when it's not there for two games after that, you're going, you know, where did it go? And uh, I, I think it's because Keith's uh, expectation Lander could be a top five, six player in the league, let alone on the least lineup. And it's always, Ralphie, to your point, the ones that are like so talented. And if you, if you kind of grew up with the, that one guy that was ultra talented, it was always that, that was his bag of tricks. That was above a work ethic. That was above being tenacious or, you know, coming in with attitude or physically dominating you. It was just always going to the talent first. And I think sometimes when that, when that happens and it's not working out the way you want it to, it, it's, it's not very natural to go to other elements of your game when you've been so dominant throughout your life with talent leading the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I know like guys that scored hat tricks against me in the minors and never scored against me again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it, <laughs> if if I didn't score, you know, I was going to run you over. <laughs> yeah. right? Like like I said, I'm not taking anything away from you, but uh, the third one you right. got, I, I swear it was icing. I so would. I had my arm up and everything. I didn't want to run you over because I was scared I'd knock the smokes out of your pants. (laughs) (laughs) And the the Tim Hortons. (laughs) So looking at the uh, the other places in the lineup where people criticize uh, effort, um, Nick Ritchie got some flack earlier in the season. He's played better of late, I I thought, for the Leafs and has earned himself a promotion back to the top line with Matthews and Marner. Uh, is there a chance that this guy finds it, that, that in the end, you know, there's there's some talent here and some size, and he's someone that's workable for this Leafs team? Yeah, but you know what? I mean, go back to the start of last year when Joe Thornton came in, uh, a little different because of the resume. Uh, but, but it wasn't an automatic click with, with Marner and Matthews. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, Zach Hyman was that special kind of player that grew with them and, and, you know, how to contribute to that line and, and how to play. And, uh, you know, you think it's just, hey, you know, go out and work hard and get them in the pocket and they'll do the rest. But uh, I, I think it takes some, you know, some tinkering and to get your timing down and your head in the right space to play with them. So I, mean, I think for Mitzi, the, the game in Philadelphia was probably the breakout game. Uh, where you saw, uh, you know, you made a nice setup. I think it might have been on Cash's goal and um, and had some scoring opportunities of his own. Uh, you just hope he can get get one and maybe relax a little bit and uh, and be a fit there. But uh, I like the fact that Sheldon Keith is saying, you know what, you're going to get a stretch here, and if it doesn't work out, uh, we're going to make some more moves. And it looks like Matthews and Marner are going to be back to you is, is it, as well. For, for Richie... For me, Ralphie, it's just the the foot speed that might be the ultimate challenge that keeps him from consistently holding a spot there. Yeah, and I, and I think Joe was the same thing last year, Kip. Um, you know, even with the big body and, and the great hockey sense, um, you know, he was, he was never the fastest player in the league. And, and you're right, it's um, it's one of those things where, and I think that's why Kerfoot can fit so well with, you know, if he's playing with Tavares or if, if he would have moved him up to uh, to play with Matthews and Marner, is he's got that speed element um, that can contribute to the line. So it's uh, it's not the 70s anymore where you've got Phil Esposito in the slot and, you know, Cashman and Hodge slugging it out in the corners to get on the puck. 
uh, you got to be able to keep up with the guys that are with you. You know, looking at a guy who normally has had pretty good speed for this team and, and on the back end is Justin Hall. He hasn't looked quite like himself. He's the one, really the one guy, I would say, versus expectations this year. I, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed by. Well, what have you made by his reemergence, or sorry, reintroduction to the lineup, I guess, and his performance there? I, I find that for whatever reason, he hasn't looked as fast this year. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's... Um, uh, whether it's an injury thing, and I don't want to speculate about things like that, uh, but at times he looks to be laboring, even getting back into his own zone. Whereas last year, I remember saying to Joe, uh, I'm surprised at the speed, how many times he led the rush up the ice. And, and there was one goal for whatever I, I remember vividly was hungry. Uh, and he took off up the right wing, took a pass, shot on low, low blocker, and, and Wayne Simmons put in the rebound. And you're thinking, wow. You know, that's it was quite a burst of speed for a big guy. Uh, and then this year, it just, you know, seems one-on-one races back in his own end. Uh, you don't notice him as much, you know, joining the play with some speed. So it uh, that seems to be the, I guess, the same for everything. Even, you know, when we talked about Mitch Marner last time I was on, where uh, it's usually the speed is, is either noticeable and you're dangerous, or it seems like you have trouble get going and, and you're not producing. One last one for you here, Ralphie, is the uh, Jack Campbell. And it really kind of was shaping up towards a 1-1-A with uh, Peter Morazic. And he's absolutely taken this thing and and ran with it here. He doesn't appear that uh, he's going his game's going anywhere anytime soon. We assume he'll probably get the, the three starts this week and, and maybe the backup, uh, whoever that might be, we'll see the Islanders on Sunday. But... Just your overall assessment of what you've seen out of Jack Campbell coming out of the second year of the pandemic uh, to this season. Well, you know what I still go back to, Kipper? You know, there, there's certain moments watching somebody and, and something happens and and you notice it. And it's it's not as much about athleticism or, or timing, but it's a character moment. And for me, it was when he got hurt in Calgary last year. He got hurt with about three minutes left in a one-goal game. And he didn't come out. He missed what a month after that. Yeah, and, and a lot of and and I'm not. This isn't pointing fingers at anybody else, but a lot of guys would have bailed. And and to see him suffering through the final three minutes because he didn't want to put the back up in that position to have to come in and defend in, in the last two or three minutes of a game. That's when I thought that's you know old school. That's a guy that's you know uh, he's ripped his groin or whatever it was, and he's going to continue to battle. So that's why I'm not surprised that coming into this year, he's, he's continued because that seems to be more character than uh, anything to do with skill or poise or, or confidence. He's, he's a guy that just has that in him that, that he's going to battle and every game seems to be the most important to him. You know what I saw that game, Ralphie? A team that wasn't paying attention to a goalie who just ripped his groin. <laughs> Help and, him out, boys! And, and let him play the next... <laughs> three minutes of the game. And yeah, but that's the one that Kachuk jumped on him, remember? Okay, but you know, yeah, if they noticed. here's how crazy that game was. He actually, on the next whistle, skated to the bench and not one person looked at him or said, are you okay? <laughs> not one. And then he ends up missing a month later with a, with a pulled uh, pot groin. Yeah, and I'm like, 
Anyways, I thought that was kind of amusing. Probably not for the trainers or the doctors, but um, interesting nonetheless. Hey, Ralphie, thanks yeah, for but, doing this, pal. You uh, want one more great. comment? One more comment. All right. You good? Oh yeah. Oh, was that free reign? No, I'm I'm not getting ready. I thought you were done with us. I was trying to oh, yeah. get you. I'm just I'm just finishing the Nashville Toronto game on uh, PlayStation. <laughs> I thought I'd have a final for you, but I got to get Philip Forsberg out of the lineup. He's killing me. <laughs> I was just hoping to get you out quick enough for a smoke. That's all. No, no, I'm just doing sit-ups. Okay, pal. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ralphie. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Barney. Thanks, right. Jim. Jimmy Ralph. You play Radio video voice. games? <laughs> Are you Radio. kidding me? Not so much, huh? He's got the the pong game. <laughs> Do you remember that? Of course I don't. <laughs> no, Ralphie's a gamer. Is he for real? For yeah, real? he does. He he always yeah. Because I mean, I see Ralphie all the time when I go to the games. I work with him closely. Like I'm yeah. the producer for the least broadcast. Yeah. And he always talks like every year he buys the new game and he goes through all the rosters and he plays and he gets familiar with a lot of the teams through that. Stunning. I know. That is stunning. It's a stunning development. Him and his son uh, Jesse they play a lot apparently. So he told me. Very, very I don't know, he cool. could, He's also the world's biggest uh, bull crapper, so he could oh, be just completely yeah. lying to me. But he's <laughs> me, he's mentioned it multiple times. So shout out to Todd Crocker, the best guy and biggest liar that I know, who is a Marley's guy as well. They're yep. play-by-play guy, yeah. also a bull crapper. If yeah. You will. No, Ralphie is truly one of the funniest dudes on the planet Earth. He yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. All right. So listen, we 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 got into the McDavid officiating stuff, but uh, it should be noted that he also got to 600 points. And how is he's that good. I think it's okay. Yeah. And w- what are they saying that uh, he went from 500 to 600 in 53 games? <laughs> that's obscene. That's playing the video game on rookie mode. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. The uh, every every time, every next hundred points he's got, he's he's done in shorter. So I expect the next one will be less than 50 games to get to 700 so points. We I have the fewest season. I have the fewest games to 600 points in NHL history list here. Let's have it. Number one is Wayne at 274 games, which is what? just a joke. Mario at 323. Peter Stasny at 394. Mike Bossy 400. Yari Curry, 419. Connor McDavid, 421. And those guys, we're talking different eras different of game. point production. A big time no, different a completely game. different game. Yeah. Like, think about Gretzky three on three back then. I mean, were there ever five guys in the ice? I've seen those old highlights. He always had an ocean of room around him for but, some reason. But if he did have a three on three scenario for five minutes. Yeah. Like, Just put it in the net. I, what kind of numbers would he have had? I'm comfortable to say that Connor McDavid is the greatest hockey player I've ever seen in my life. And I haven't been yeah, around. You're I'm, 12. I'm, hey, <laughs> is there anyone that's your been in your whole life, Kipper, honestly, that you've watched play that's been as fast, does the things that he does? Like, is it's there, the speed. It's the speed. It's He's the faster speed. with yeah. the puck. It is uh, the fast twitch muscles that he has. Yeah, no one's like him. And I know I'm not trying to compare the two, but I went to, you know, that practice today, the, the tr- Leafs practice today, and saw Austin Matthews just doing drills, up and down the ice, three-on-two rushes, whatever. I just can't believe the size of that guy and how he skates. Like, it is a, a – the rate the best players are getting better at is absolutely absurd in the league right now. We're, we're lucky to be able to watch it. Unless guys like Kipper he, and Tim Peel keep he, pushing everyone to get hooked. He's, uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> he's just wired differently, too. Connor. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
He's but, competitive. But it's, it's his ability to shift from second to third gear that nobody has. Well, think of the two goals, the one where he burns Morgan Riley last year and then the Rangers goal this year where both times he's kind of like toying, like, a you know, just playing cat yeah. and mouse with the team and then... I was fortunate enough. I played against Mario and, and Gretz, and you marveled at them. They were rock stars. Mario's they were, length in his hands. They were, you know, the Beatles. And they never had that gear. Yeah. In their own way, they were able to maneuver and shift. and They had it in relation to the competition, Maybe that much better than the competition at those things. Yeah. Just but the whole you, thing. You, you ask Gretzky and he'll tell you that he's never seen anything like it his whole life. Yeah. See, that's that's what gets me when people today get on people like us right now. We're saying Connor McDavid's the greatest hockey player who ever lived. Someone will go, you know, get mad that it's not Wayne. Go ask Wayne. Yeah. Who the greatest player, well, you know, talent-wise, no, not in relation to the, the game. The, but he's the, the greatest skater. Sure. Okay, but... As far as the greatest player, it's whatever you deem it to be okay. in your mind. Like, I I like the five-tool guy. I like a guy that could knock your teeth out while he's skating a 1,000 miles past you and scoring and, and all of that. Like, mm-hmm. Wayne never ran anybody over in your world. Maybe that should be included in what you perceive as being the greatest hockey player that ever lived. You a Gordie Howe guy then? Gordie Howe. Elbows. Skate, score, hit, fight. There's like a shirtless pick of Gordie Howe oh, from yeah. God knows when. It's like, what was that man yeah. lifting and eating? He was a monster of a, a dude. A lot of barley. <laughs> Just barley. A lot of hay. <laughs> Just crunching. Guy at a so, uh, herbivore's I, diet. So we're talking all this about Connor McDavid, and he's not even leading his team in scoring. He's I know. Four Leon points, Dry- he's four points behind uh, Leon Dreisaitl is, who has 31 points in 14 games this year, 15 goals, 16 assists to start Remember, Remember all the heat Oilers got for signing Dreisaitl to his contract? Oh, my oh God. I know that. Do, don't, don't you, you make an 8-5? Eight eight, is it 8 times 8? I'll, I'll wear that one. I, I thought that was too much. Like, oh. I know. What a bargoon. He is, he is unbelievable. Like, he reminds me of... Yager a little bit, a little bit. That big body, long stick, hold people off. So patient, and no, I don't want to say slow, but just like deliberate. And he plays with a paddle, plays with a yeah. rolling oar on his stick. But you know who's in third place in the score in the league in scoring? Hmm. Brad Marchand, Alex Ovechkin. God, twenty six points through fifteen games, twelve goals. It's unbelievable, man. It's the helpers. I know. When is when have you ever seen him up there? For, like he's always a Cy Young guy, way more goals and assists, and he's got more assists than goals this year. He's just he's is he evolving at age whatever? Like it's insane how good he is at this age, and you know, he's definitely going to break the record. Some of our conversations today have led me to just toggle through some of the stat categories, like penalties drawn, giveaways, takeaways, some weird stuff. Uh, I came across a fun one that was relevant to the Leafs. Uh, hits taken is a stat they record. Really? Guess who's been hit most in the Andre NHL Kasha. this year? No. Okay. Jake Muzzin has yeah. taken the most hits of any hockey player in the NHL this year. What number? Uh, he's been hit 51 times. Yeah. You know when he gets it bad? It's because mm-hmm. he seems to be the first one in on the puck a lot of Retrieval, times in the defensive right? zone. Yeah. And it just seems like guys take a real joy in beating him well, into the end boards. Yeah. He's not the smoothest guy out there, so he's going to take his time a little bit more than somebody else to go retrieve a puck. And, but he's not scared anybody. to anybody. But he's not scared also to take the hit to make the play. Yeah. 
That's a real. That's a. And those that's are a, great points. That's, 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 that's a style a, thing. It's a style thing. Yeah. So, and he most often than I can still make a pretty good first pass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, top fifty for the Leafs. Uh, Brody's twenty sixth. Morgan Riley gets hit a lot too. The other thing is, is. Who's who's counting? Well, the, and, and this they, is do, a terrible stat. Do they, it's re- always, do they really truly know the difference between taking a hit and giving a hit? No. There's like that. some guy's eating popcorn up there and catches the odd one. The, don't trust those stats. But it does tell us when you're the most in the league, you're probably getting hit a fair bit. You get the, like, the grandson of a, an NHL gold judge from 1960. That's exactly who gets that position, to be honest. 15, someone who knows someone. $15 and a bag of popcorn in between periods. <laughs> I'll do it. 15 I'll do it, yeah. By the way, penalties drawn leader in the league, Brendan Gallagher, once again. I would like to get into uh, with Tim Peel a little bit in terms of that reputation of being a guy that can draw penalties and who has it, who doesn't. Like We know that there's a, a diving list, right? Do you think an, an official one that the oh yeah the league well, has o- officially unofficial? Yeah, I gotcha. So if and these refs, I'll say something about being in the media. With that, I learned from day one that they compete against each other and they're fighting for their scoops or their storylines. In the media. In the media. Yeah. But they stick together, man. They really stick together, and officials. Same thing. Yeah. That they ultimately stick together because it could be you having a bad night and getting ripped on uh, on social media, but we're a brotherhood, man. We stick together. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to certain players trying to embarrass certain officials. I see what you're saying. That gets around, and it's like, you want to embarrass that guy? You're not embarrassing me. I'm not. And they don't. They don't call it on certain guys. If guys have a reputation and if they've been caught a couple of times or warned by the league that a lot of social media would never know about, they don't get the benefit of the doubt. I do wonder. and That's interesting. I wonder where uh, old Bunting's total of drawn penalties is because he had three. Remember we said uh, initially that he was... You those know, dried up pretty quick. Yeah, those dried up pretty... No, but, but he can also... He's smart enough to maybe come back this week and and get reengaged in, in drawing penalties. Mm. It's the guy that constantly is trying it and looking mm. for it. I actually like the fact that Bunting hasn't really drawn a lot of attention to trying to get calls. He's, and he's think, up there in the league. He's 17th in the league. He's drawn seven penalties yeah. this year. It's really good. And, and, and he can get hot again on that. Yeah. And it comes when it comes and goes like that. There's less focus from an official point of view. Mm-hmm. Where's a uh, old friend Nazem Kadri on that list? Because I remember that when he was here, that it was Kadri was really good, really good. Yeah, he's right there too. Yeah, I think he's uh, yeah. It's he's he's, he's drawn six, bunt to bunting seven. Yeah, so no, that's twenty eighth. Tied with Mitch Marner. Who's one? Uh, Gallagher's one, Gall- and then Alex DeBrinket is two. And then it's a kind of an eclectic mix. Some guys, Sorelli, Andreas Janssen is one you know here. Stutzla. So, what's top, eight? Ten. Ten. Yeah. That's a significant number. That's right. That is significant in what, 16 games for Gallagher. 
Well, Gallagher's always in the right spots to get draw penalties. You know, he's hard on the hard on the boards, hard in front of the net. Like he's the Blue type paint. of guy that's, that's in the right a, spot. A really good question. You know, people talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're always near the bottom of the league in power plays. They don't get a lot of chances. It's there's a stylistic because they thing. don't go to the spots where penalties are but drawn just, a lot of the times. Yeah, they don't have those type of players. Yeah. That that's the style they play. It's not some sort of Leafs bias. That's not the style of game Toronto forwards play. Okay. Oh, nope. just, are you guys all done? Well, all I just done. was going to say, speaking of blue paint, uh, old Simmons gave Mangiapane a pretty good one there in front of the net against Calgary. And I'm surprised he didn't call it. Oh, just yeah. buried him. But, yeah. Anyways, I'm well good. Okay, just for the record, everybody's saying, oh, the players got it. No, they're just, just going to pick and choose when they want to call cross-checking oh, and when they don't. that's completely stopped. Well, like, cross- there's a cross-check yeah. five a game. They haven't called one there in a go. week. Okay, so we didn't get past, what, end of November? Yeah, it's been November. Yeah. But hold on, sorry. Do you remember when they had the jersey tuck rule? That was that lasted like one week. Uh, you, know what, you know what? One that always sticks out to me is the visor. Oh yeah, and, with, and, and I remember that in the first game against the Jets, the Leafs beat the brakes off the Jets, but Leo Komarov got a penalty because his visor was up too high. Yeah, and I can't remember my email password, but I remember all right. that. Kipper's trying to turn the page. Sorry, Kipper. All I am. You. I just want to get this in before we go off air, and that is that the NHL Pope postpones uh, three senator games due to COVID-19 outbreak. Mm. Uh, so basically this is going to cost them three games. Uh, games were scheduled at New Jersey at home Thursday against Nashville and Saturday against the New York Rangers. They were all postponed. Uh, I put out a, a tweet earlier uh, today also um, that it said that uh, there's not a set number of games for the NHL to lose, but if they start shutting down, I'm told, multiple teams, uh, this could really uh, jeopardize uh, the Olympics moving mm. forward. It's already been a compressed schedule and uh, huge concerns here with the Ottawa Senators now, guys. Well, that's terrifying as someone who just is dying to see the Olympic hockey thing happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I talk about it every show, so we can't have that. Like, no. what, what are we going to talk about? So, Yeah. Now, they do have a little bit of room, uh, but not. it's not built. Like, there's no COVID buffer here. Mm-hmm. They've got a few that usually re- re- runs around, what, bad weather and, uh, you know, availability of a building or something, you know, that happens with power outages i don't know yeah, yeah whatever but, but they build not, a couple of days but, in. but not not something like the ottawa senators are going through here so this is you know a good reminder that you know we're all even in in life you're kind of thinking that we're kind of coming out of this and then something that is like a little reminder here but like i never in a million years thought we'd be talking about post moments for an nhl team again this year did no. you guys think that was coming down the pipe i never thought that was even a question and now it's a canadian yeah. team boy like i know you got to have your tight protocols and whatever and whatever the least do in terms of their internal okay. protocols but like you got to be careful careful because yeah. your season could go up in a Hockey hurry wise here. you need to be careful for sure careful, yeah that's what i mean it's just it, it's it's nuts that you know the ottawa senators can lose half their team so 10 guys down and you know, even like team like Toronto, that nothing. Yeah, we haven't heard of a guy being held out for COVID-related carefulness. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, who was it, Jim Ralph talking about how, uh, when we were talking about Buffalo being half empty, how expensive mm-hmm. it is and, yeah, you know, the, the cost. Yeah, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, so, I think if you wanted to go down there, I was, t- I was asking about this around because, you know, 
I uh, saw that building and I was like, wow, I should have gone to that. So I think it's 72 hours. If you get a test here and then you come back within 72 hours, if you show a negative test, you're eligible to do that. But like, that's still enough of a annoyance that mm-hmm. it's like, I got to go to a hospital, get a test or do whatever. It's like, that's still enough of annoyance. Like traveling yeah, is a pain in the, you know what right now? Yeah. Like, I don't, is that what it is for yeah. the land yeah, border? Yeah. Cause I know yeah. right now going to New York, when we come back, we do the whole, we have to get the $200 yeah, PCR. Yeah. But like, if it's just for 72 hours, you can do it like that. So I, it's just a pain and just, you, you just hope that this is a one-off when it comes to a team here. Right. Mm. But if there is any scenario where this thing could spread to other teams, uh, then you could kiss, I think, the Olympics goodbye. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. No, that would, uh, that, that's terrifying. All so right. we will see, I guess, where Ottawa finds time to wedge in uh, three more hockey games in their schedule. Already a difficult season for a young team looking to, you know, this is supposed to be a bit of a turnaround. The rebuild was over for them, so... Um, things just got who, a lot harder the for the Sens. Rebuild's over? Oh, no one. I think it was the janitor or the GM, one of the two. <laughs> well, it was Eugene. They got some, <laughs> it was Eugene. They got some work to do here. Man. Off all week now. Let's hope everybody uh, recovers in a quick manner. And uh, they can get their season going again. But the Ottawa Senators shut down for the rest of the week. All right, good week. <laughs> oh, no, uh, wait. I can't it's for only bad news, Monday. dude. It's only Monday? Yeah. Oh, then we get to sit back in Hall of Fame uh, inductions oh, yeah. tonight. Very Enjoy exciting. that, JB. You too, buddy. Sammy, good day today. Derek, kind of quiet today, Derek. <laughs> Just doing his job. Silent deep. Just doing his job. Okay, we're right back at it tomorrow on Real Kipper and Born. Have a great night, everybody.